Hi guys, uh, the episode that you're just about to listen to is generously sponsored by our affiliates, Board Game Crate. Board Game Crate uh, provide a monthly subscription service where they get fresh new games delivered straight to your door. Just head over to www.boardgamecrate.co.uk and furthermore, if you use our discount code UnluckyFrogIsAwesome, all lowercase, all one word, you'll get a cheeky little discount. It's easy to remember because it's true. Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You're joined by your usual hosts here, Josh Hartley and Benjamin Porter. How are we doing, Ben? It was very formal this evening, weren't we? Yes, we just had a little political rambling before we started this, so I feel like I'm on news night now. We're going to talk serious business about serious board games. Yeah, Uh, not politics, everyone will be pleased to know. Maybe the politics of board games? Maybe, maybe. Maybe. So, uh, we have just... The reason this episode is going up late is because we spent all day Saturday at Glasgow Games Festival and we thought, rather than record before the fact, let's record afterwards and after we've recovered a little bit. Um, But have we got any news that we want to talk about? Well, I guess the the big thing that that occurs to me is um, the... Games Workshop have brought back uh, Sisters of Battle or Adeptus Sororitas as they're now called. Yeah, because they can copyright that apparently. Can they not copyright Sisters of Battle? Is that too generic? I think it's too generic. Alright, okay. I get get Space Marine and I get Imperial Guard. Yeah. So so suppose, yeah, Sisters of Battle. I think it is just too generic. Yeah, fair. Alright. Because that could be any, like, female warrior cult yeah. really yeah okay okay um so uh, people have been waiting for these a long long time for anyone who doesn't know they're basically if if space marines are sci-fi warrior monks mm-hmm. uh sisters of battle are sci-fi warrior nuns yeah and the the iconographies like and imagery used throughout their range is suitably catholic yeah as well i would yeah. say suitably grim yeah um so people have been really excited about these because they're a huge part of the lore um and they've got a a huge and fanatical uh, fan following that's what not releasing any minis for like what was it 15 years for the range or 20 years are we pushing on 20 years quite possibly but people have been absolutely rabid for these I did not quite grasp just how rabid yeah, I... they were. Um, they they put a, a box set up for pre-order mm-hmm. over the weekend uh, while we were at Glasgow Games Festival. So, what was that, the, the weekend, the, the 16th, something like that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they put it up for pre-order and they sold out within minutes. Yeah. The demand is. I mean, and like I said, this is this is what happens when uh, no, no minis. Are. I wonder. I wonder how much of it though were people who were buying it to use it, or people wanting to flip it and 
make a make a quick buck on eBay. I, I think a lot of them will be scalpers. Yeah. And they have been selling for over twice the price on eBay, and people are paying for it. That's the yeah. Other thing. That's that's. Um, a, you see a lot more in Magic: The Gathering. This yeah. sort of thing, whenever they come out with like a limited edition like box set, yeah, that will just get snapped up so quickly, and yeah. half of them will be people selling it on for a ridiculous profit. So, I actually wanted to talk to you about this, right? Okay, because, because I understand on the one hand that that creating hype for a product and doing it in limited runs that there's a certain argument for that because yeah. it means that you're guaranteed to shift all that product yeah. like as, as evidence from the weekend. Yeah. But is there not a counter-argument that you are creating a, a third party? Yeah, a secondary market. Yeah. Well, this is this is something that's, again, been going on in Magic the Gathering for decades now, yeah. right? You, you get, like, massive stores particularly in the US like Channel Fireball and Star City Games yeah. that all they do I mean yeah they, they sell like brand new sealed packs but what their main thing really is selling second hand cards uh-huh. on the, the market and you for a lot more than a piece of card is really worth yeah yeah um, I don't know it's, it's a tricky one I get I get like the I I see what you're saying with like the sort of building hype and making sure that you can shift uh, the right all of your products that you make. I suppose at the end there's a balancing act, right? Like because no one's no, or very few people are satisfied if you only if you you massively underproduce. And that's been a problem with some Magic the Gathering sets and products as yeah, well. Yeah, problem with some board games that because yeah. Wingspan's launch was plagued by yeah problems. yeah. It's readily available now, but it was yeah. never meant to be a limited release, was no, it? So no, no, it's, it, they just grossly underestimated how popular it would how, be. How many people wanted a board game about birds. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I, know what you mean. It's it's annoying. I, I feel that, like I get more annoyed at the fact that the idea of people doing it with Games Workshop stuff than Magic the Gathering stuff for some reason. And because I think there's a very well-established secondary market in Magic the Gathering, it's just, in my head, I, I kind of think of it as, well, that's the way things are. Well, it's a different kind of product, isn't it? Because mm. it's collectible cards. And, it, I mean, really they're sold the same way baseball cards are. Yeah, exactly. You slap yeah. the word collectible onto anything. Yeah. You've got then... different rarities. Um, they're all sold in uh, blind bags, mm-hmm. so you really don't know what you're getting. Whereas... With with like the Games Workshop product, it I don't know. I just I think similar to you, I can't quite put my finger on it. It just feels a little more shady. Yeah, yeah. I wish I could articulate this like better. Yeah, uh, and I think at the end of the day as well is why couldn't Games Workshop produce more of this? Were they unsure that it was going to sell? Well, at the, this stage, were they really that unsure it was going to sell? Yeah, well, th- this was the the discussion I had with uh, uh, Jamie from uh, Brainwaves when we saw him on Saturday because this was all happening while we were at Glasgow Games mm. Festival, so we're all bouncing this off each other, and uh, you know, we 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 are both fairly certain that they 
are deliberately doing it to create demand. They're like they're 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 basically doing pr- releasing product in limited runs mm-hmm. to create the appearance of a much greater demand than there is, which creates more hype and it whips people into a frenzy. Yeah, but I like it's not like they profit from it, there being a secondary market for it. But but this is it. This is where it's like. I see it being kind of shady, but is it also just a little bit stupid? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Again, like th- there's a rationale for Wizards of the Coast doing it. It's because the biggest purchasers, their biggest purchasers of their sealed product are inevitably these massive stores in the United States yeah. that profit off the secondary market. So to a degree, they've got to keep those guys sweet. Yeah, um, and, and and not to like be too down on collectible card games, I've played many of them myself. I've got loads of Pokemon cards. That they're they're pieces of paper mm-hmm. with pictures printed. Yeah, on. something printed. So, really, it is the the people that determine their value. Uh so yeah, and you're saying so. What you're saying is miniatures are something a little different. Yes. Yeah. I I think a little bit different, but I don't know. At the end of the day, it's in theory it should just be worth whatever its weight in plastic is. But yeah, but I suppose it's, it's, we keep coming back to this thing of well, it's not really, is it? Yeah. Because again, like people, myself included, will pay twenty pounds for one figure. Yeah. When before Games Workshop started doing that. You paid three or four pounds for one figure. That was the that was the standard, yeah. Yeah, and it still is for most companies. To yeah. be fair. Um, and but likewise, you know, for me, yeah, I've spent more money than I would like to admit on this podcast on Magic yeah. Single Magic the Gathering cards. So I guess, like, the more I think about it, like, it's quite easy to laugh at these people paying two hundred pounds for these Sisters of Battle. But if you want something that badly. You know, I was what I think of it as is um, scalpers for gig tickets, right? Yeah. I think of your favorite band of all time, or your favorite band of all time that is likely to reunite and tour again. Right. Well, the thing that sprung to mind for me is, I I would pay quite a ridiculous amount of money if through some weird necromancy an opportunity to see Bob Marley yeah. came about. <laughs> Would, right, yeah, but like, is it Bob Marley brought back from the dead in human form or is this zombie Bob Marley? No, it's like... No, not like zombie Bob Marley where he's just going to go, uh, like, he's going to be good. Uh, yeah, yeah, not, not like that. He's, he's come back for one night, for one gig, and you can be there. For the modest price of five hundred pounds, would that be would that be the figure? We've developed the technology. We can rebuild Bob Marley, but we need your money to make it happen. So is it like a Kickstarter to bring <laughs> Bob Marley back? <laughs> yeah, there we go. So we'll, we'll all st- in pledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the top tier pledge is you get to go up on stage with him. I, I think. I think. I would have to think about it and I'd have to talk to Charlotte about it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, the point is 
everyone has their price. Yeah, yeah. Well, the one that I think of is um, I'm, I'm not bringing anyone back from the dead for mine. I'm just wanting re- REM to reunite, yeah. and I would, I would definitely pay over a hundred quid for yeah. a ticket easily. Um, 150 I think 200 I'd be like mm, this is a lot <laughs> see just when you're saying about REM there's a little thing that uh, a little joke between Charlotte and myself uh, actually I was, I was talking to Nathaniel the baby today yeah. and you know you, you, you just monologue talking rubbish to babies yeah. you know because they're, they're just happy to listen or whatever mm-hmm. and I was getting ready to go out to work and I, and I just on the way out I said and remember son if you ever feel stupid just remember that the female vocalist from REM decided to join the B-52s because she <laughs> thought REM were going nowhere uh, wow so there you go yeah. wow shiny happy people that's what she's on isn't it yeah yeah she, and she decided that REM were going nowhere and joined the P-52s instead. Uh, what were we talking about? Uh, we were talking about <laughs> Sisters of Battle and how you know it's easy to mock people, pay a lot of money. Yeah. When we actually step back and think about it, there's probably things you would pay a silly amount of money for. Tell the are, you know, life's too short. Yeah. Yeah. Bring back Bob Marley. Bring back Bob Marley. Um, we were going to talk about Marvel Champions as well. I say we talk about Marvel Champions. We were going to acknowledge its existence because yeah. neither you nor I have had a chance to play it yet. Tom has got a copy. He's been... Uh, raving about it like a, yeah. a madman. It sounds a bit like... Well, I, mean, I mean, I want to play it. I want to play it before yeah. I, I, I will judgment. admit that... I'm not a massive fan of superheroes. Oh, the internet just gasps. I know. I no, know. but like, like I, I get what you mean. I haven't kept up with like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and no. I'm, I'm certainly not a big comic book reader or anything like that. When I was a lad, uh, it was Batman I followed. Mm-hmm. So I, I quite like. Um, I don't know. I guess the superhero thing never quite clicked with me. I do like the X Men though. I've always liked the. X-Men. Ah, the X Men are cool. But, Wolverine's badass. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's like the dark brooding thing that resonates <laughs> with me or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, the, the likes of Iron Man and all that never really mm. appealed. But that being said, I quite like the um, the cooperative loving card games that Fantasy Flight put out. And this very much from my first impressions, at least, looks like it's in that vein. Yeah. So I'm I'm absolutely willing to try that. I, I think that I, I'm not going to be as enthusiastic about it as Tom. Mm-hmm. I suspect that my preference will still be the Arkham Horror Living Card Game. Yeah. But I think if it's similar to that, but at the same time gives you that rush of being this superhuman entity, mm-hmm. then. Because in Ark- it's worth in Arkham Horror you play a janitor with a gun and a torch. It's <laughs> basically it. <laughs> right. Fighting supernatural horrors, you know. Yeah, it'll definitely have a very different vibe to yeah. it, I imagine. But I, I think so. But I think if if the bare bones of the game is similar to that, then I think that it will be fine because 
of like the Lord of the Rings living card game and the Arkham Horror card game are fairly different mm. in the way that they work, but the structure. I mean, they've got a lot. The of broad structure yeah. is, is similar. Yeah, and I th- so I think that I suspect this Marvel one's going to be uh, similar mm. in that respect. You know, where you're like working your way through the quests, yeah. that sort of thing. Well, we'll find out in good time how it plays, and yeah. we'll uh, let you guys know. Yes. Um, so. Glasgow Games Festival. Glasgow Games Festival. So that's what we were doing last Saturday. Uh, So uh, what I find with it, because this is our third year there, Uh, you you, you couldn't make it last year. No, I was working, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But what I find with... uh, It's probably the most relaxed convention that we go to in terms of it, it doesn't feel like we're there for work so much no. you know what I mean Like, I, don't get me wrong I love going to UK Games Expo Tabletop Scotland Aircon um, but when I go to those ones I feel I very much feel like I'm here and I'm I'm doing a job like I, I'm, I want to speak to people I want to see new games I think to some extent you do feel that pressure don't you yeah uh, whereas in Glasgow Games Festival we basically just played the whole day play, like just spent the whole day playing games mm-hmm. like we, we we obviously did the rounds in the, the the trade floor but it's fairly limited and we know everyone there yeah. <laughs> so uh, so it, it, it it's fun to actually sit down and play games rather than spend all day stood up talking about games that yeah. makes sense no I, I, I would agree with that um, I I don't think it was all that different from when I went uh, what, two years ago now no it, it I mean in terms of size it feels like it's got very similar attendance mm-hmm. right um, it's probably plateaued yeah. yeah and there's nothing wrong with that If I mean if that's the, the vision that the organisers have in mind then that's fine Certainly, I think they made a bit more of an effort to advertise it this year. I, yeah. I, I saw a few adverts for it on Facebook. All right. Um, I don't recall seeing any bill posters for it or anything. No, but um, I mean, to be honest, I haven't. I haven't been looking. <laughs> no. So, no. Um, so we 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 got there fairly early. We actually had breakfast in town. As well, uh, yeah. stacks and still stack, it? stack and still, stack and still. Yeah, uh, American pancake place defeated me. Uh, I, I didn't rate it that much. No? no. What did you go for again? At the steak stack. Yeah, which uh, was a misnomer because it was brisket. It was not steak. <laughs> oh, yeah. World of difference, to be fair. Yes, that is world of difference. Um, um, I don't. I don't. Maybe it's. I'm just not. A great lover of pancakes could take them or leave them. Yeah, fair, fair. Uh, it had refillable coffee though, which was a plus in my yeah my book. Um, and yeah, we met up with Ian and Jamie from uh, the Giant Brain and Brainwaves. Yeah, uh, Kenny was there as well from yeah. uh, from the uh, dice, dice roll. roll. Yeah, uh, Tom and uh, Lanky Santa. It'd come in as well. Yeah, and Ian from Unpopular Mechanics. That's it. Yeah, Ian. The pianist as well. Yeah. Yeah, 
Uh, and of course, it bumped into a load of people that we knew. So uh, forgive me for forgetting <laughs> to mention you guys, but caught up with a lot of people. But what what games did we play? So the when I think back to, it, I think I only actually played two games. Yeah. Over the whole day, because I, I did spend a lot of time just catching up and chatting to people. Yeah. And I will be completely honest, my my Switch did come out. Yeah, guys, the new Pokemon's come out, and uh, Ben and I are busy. We, we've hit it hard. Yeah. God, it's it's been many a year. Yeah. It hits hard. I mean, I've got no excuse. Like, the, this is just me every couple of years now. <laughs> I haven't played since... Uh, since Diamond and Pearl, which was like 15 years ago? Um, 12. 12 years ago. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, a massive nostalgia trip for me. No, 13. Um, it was 13 years ago. <laughs> I love that you know the exact. <laughs> the reason I remember yeah. is because. I th- do you know? I think it was actually 14. It was because I. I had just got my first job. Mm-hmm. I was working in Morrison's. I had no idea you worked for Morrison's. I was working in Morrison's in Shawlands. I only did it for six months. I hated it. <laughs> and I, like... So it was my like my first wage. Mm. And I spent all of it on games and DVDs. That's, that's what a responsible adult should do. But I distinctly remember that with my first pay packet, mm-hmm. I bought a diamond version for myself yeah. and pearl version for my sister. Oh, nice. And the two of us played them together. So that's why I remember exactly when it came yeah. out. There we are. Do you still have the check shirt from Morrison's? I didn't wear a check shirt. Didn't they give you a check shirt in Morrison's? No, I had a, I had a green apron and a clip on tie. A clip-on tie, Jesus. Yeah, the clip-on tie. <laughs> and I always get told off for folding my arms. <laughs> so I would say, what, a, what a weird thing to get told off for. Yeah, apparently it made me look like closed off and imposing. Uh, do you need to fold your arms? <laughs> like I, no, like, I'd, I'd, so I'd be at the, the checkout, and you know, like a lot of people would sit down, so... I mean, I would get a bit restless, so I would just stand up at my checkout and I'd have my arms crossed, and then okay. my supervisor would always tell me off for it. Was your supervisor nervous telling you off for it? Oh, I've she, got. She was an evil witch. She was oh awful. wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh, she, she would. Everyone hated her. Okay. Yeah, I'll not mention her just in case anyone. She's just sat at home listening to the unlucky frog. Little tear rolls down her. Remembering fondly, ah yes, that Ben Porter. Yeah. I was hard on him, but it was for his own good. He was a good lad. He was a good lad, and now he's <laughs> just come out and character assassination. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, no, she was horrible. <laughs> she was awful, awful person. Yeah. To be fair, not the not the worst boss I've had by any stretch, but yeah, could could have been nicer to me. Yeah. <laughs> Fair, fair. Um, we'll, we'll, shall we, we'll do an episode covering our CVs. <laughs> like, we talk about our old bosses. Not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eh, I don't think I've, I've ever had a, like a really bad boss. I think I've been lucky. Well, I've worked in kitchens and that's so yeah, I've met a few that's, characters. I, 
That's saying a more. My, my current boss tell you a story or two about him. Your father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Al. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't listen to this show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> my dad listens. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Dad. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we got sidetracked. Uh, games that we played. Yes. Uh, other than Pokemon, yeah, which is not a board game. It's funny because we get, I get sidetracked from playing tabletop games by playing Pokemon. Yeah. And then we get sidetracked from the story by another mad anecdote. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. There we are. Like, like a couple of dogs in a park. Aye. Yeah. Um, so I, I played a game called uh, Dungeon Madness. Mm-hmm. And it's a D&D card game. All oh, right, it, like officially branded. Yeah, D&D. yeah, D and D card game for four players, and each of you has a deck of cards that corresponds to a character. Mm-hmm. So I was a tiefling rogue. Very nice. Not not very you. No, but I thought I'll give, give that one a go. Is everyone like? Because who did you play with? Sorry. So I played with uh, Duncan and Dave of uh, Tabletop Scotland, and Alec. Uh, from mm-hmm. Dwarf who'd come through for the for the yeah. uh, Dunfermline Wargaming Roleplaying Fellowship so the four it's um, it does up to four players mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's an expansion but I don't think it's necessarily designed to be used as a six player but I guess mm-hmm. you could in theory so um, each of you has a, a character a deck um that essentially is all of their weapons and actions mm-hmm. and things, and uh, it it's a it's a very fast paced uh, take that type card game. Okay, um, where you've got uh, cards that give you extra action initiative that let you slam down extra cards, mm-hmm. uh, cards that do damage to other players. Um, uh, because I was playing the rogue, I had a card that lets me hide. So if I put the card down, it's quite funny because it's. There's a picture of the tiefling rogue and he's got like a, a pair of glasses and a beard on. Mm-hmm. That's his disguise. Oh, no, like Groucho Marx. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so if my disguise is up, no one can hurt me until my next turn. All right, nice. Uh, and, uh, you've got the, uh, uh, the cleric, I think it was, mm-hmm. can heal himself. He's got this vampiric touch ability that is nasty that lets him swap his health with yours. Oh, so it can be a real game changer. But towards the end of the game, it's maybe not so good. Yeah. And it's just absolute mayhem, as the name suggests, but it's great fun. Just a really fast-paced sort of rock-paper-scissors type thing going on. I saw Scott in our Discord uh, was saying good things about it today as well, so I'll, yeah. have, to, I'll have to give it a go as it's well. It's really good fun. Aye. And it's the, the really nice artwork. They've gone for slightly more stylized, cartoony art. I, I think that 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 seems on like to to fit the tone of the game because yeah. some of the the D and D advert D and D advert some of the D and D artwork in fact most of the D and D artwork although it's very fantastical and colourful it tends to be quite uh, realistic yeah uh, almost gritty at times yeah. and it, but you know really ugly monsters like big scary dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite characterful faces, whereas this is more, I guess, kid friendly. Because I think yeah. you absolutely could play it with a a ten year old. You know, fair news, fair news. Uh, while this was going on, 
I was sat down with uh, Lanky Santa, Ian and Jamie playing a prototype of Magnate. Yes, this which, is by Nailer Games. Yeah, which will be imminently starting its Kickstarter. Uh, in Magnate, you are property developers, and the aim of the game is to make the most money uh, by purchasing land, developing it, and either collecting rent or flipping it on the market, uh, and doing this before the market crashes. Uh, it is... I loved it. I don't think you will like it at all, Ben. No, and I think I've said to you before, I'm not massively keen... On games where where economy is the be all and end all, mm-hmm. I don't. I in fact, I I do quite enjoy it to some extent when it's an element of a game. Mm-hmm. But I think it. I think to be honest, it, for me, it just feels a little pointless accruing wealth for the sake of it. What, and in what, fact, what <laughs> I will go out and actually say, accruing wealth for the sake of it is pointless. Yeah. But I, uh, well, we're simu- we're we're simulating like rich oligarchs. Yeah, of course, of you know, course. Like, yeah. So, yeah. so they, when when the aim of their game is just to make money for the sake of it, then yeah. that that's an appropriate yeah. end game. And and of course, uh, Magnate had its roots in creating a game similar to Monopoly but rectifying some of the issues with it and of course Monopoly was originally the <laughs> landlord game which was intended to satirise yeah. the the property market and how it ends up. It was never supposed to be a, a balanced game because yeah. it isn't. But uh, like, so, so here's the thing with that analogy and I appreciate um why they've gone for that, because everyone knows Monopoly. Mm-hmm. I would say in the theme is about the only thing that mm-hmm. this game has in common with Monopoly. Yeah. This feels a lot more like Chinatown. If you've ever played Chinatown, that is another one where you're, you're purchasing plots of land and tra- trading between players. Which, ironically, is often advertised to new players as an alternative to Monopoly. Yeah, 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 yeah. right, okay. <laughs> it's... <laughs> But you're not going round the board, okay? That's, that's what I'm saying. You're, you're, you're not passing go. You're not going to jail. You're not okay, buying okay, a fucking okay. electric company, <laughs> right? You are. Uh, the theme is purchasing and developing land, uh, but that's about it. Yeah. Because like Monopoly's end game is a war of attrition. You're trying to just grind your opponents down. Whereas this one, there is a very definite point where the game ends. That's when the market crashes, hmm. and you cause the market to crash. It's. I really like how they simulate this. They cause the you cause the market to crash by raising the price of land too much, by you know creating demand, like by advertising, by purchasing land yourself, by selling plots of it, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I think part of it, I'm turned off by. It. I think it's maybe just a little bit too much like reality for me as well. <laughs> That's a fair cop. Yeah. Fair cop. Um, I, I for, for for what it's worth, I really enjoyed playing it. I didn't do very well in it. Again, a little too close to reality. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but um, no, I thought it was uh, really. I I, I think that the, the uh, environment that it's trying to simulate, mm-hmm. i.e., prop a property boom and bust, uh, it does it very well. Um, 
My only thing is you, you don't interact with, you, you don't trade with the other players. And I'm wondering if they maybe tried that out in testing. Uh, because does, I, does I it would feel a little multiplayer solitaire, does it? Mm, yes and no, because you're, you're competing over the same plots of land. Okay. And yeah. um, it, the turn order actually can be very important. Yeah. Because there's only a finite number of tenants that will want to occupy your different buildings. So if you get to go first, you get first crack of it, attracting those tenants, mm-hmm. which means your opponents won't have anyone to move into their plush, you know, five-story yeah. apartments. Uh, so I'm 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 look I'm going to be looking at the Kickstarter and uh, following it closely, and you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully it's successful and we get to try the final version. Yeah. So watch this space. Um. After which, I played Villagers. Yep. Uh, you opted out of this one. I did. Because? Because I'm just not a great lover of economics, yeah. basically. <laughs> yes. I've, I've played Villagers, mm. and I thought it was okay. I wasn't blown away by it. Um, I, I feel like there are a lot of other games that scratch that drafting itch for me which is which would be the main appeal of yeah. there's not so much the building an economy yeah um and I, I feel that there are a lot of games that do that drafting better uh-huh um so i mean i mean if someone was absolutely mad keen to play villagers again and didn't have anyone to play it with i would gladly play it with them Cool. I'm just not in a mad rush to play it again. Yeah, no, that that's fair. I mean, I I like the game. Can't stand the art, but yeah. I get I so get. What, what is it about the art? It do is it slightly sinister? Yes. It it it, <laughs> it rem, Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of it's a small world after all. Yeah. Right and but that's like, creep. That's that ride's creepy. But like the apocalypse. Well, it is. It's post medieval apocalypse. It's set post Black Death. Yeah, like those. They all look like they've seen some shit. That vacant, like sort stare. of that that vacant smile. Yeah, the dead eye. Dead eye smile. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Uh, for for the benefit of the tape, Josh is making a really creepy face right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my face. <laughs> Um, but I do, I do really like the game, and uh, I think because I like building uh, engines and economies in games, mm-hmm. um, Charlotte, from what I can tell, really likes it as well. Yeah. But we were also at the table again with Lanky Santa, uh, with Jamie, and with Dave of Tabletop yeah. Scotland. Um, those three were much more lukewarm on it. Yeah. I don't think anyone hated it. I think I, I don't. Well, th- this is the thing with villagers. No one hates it, but I don't think anyone's really enthusiastic about it nah, either. I, Except no, you. I'm not that enthusiastic about. Like, no, I do like it. Uh, I, the art gets in the way for me a little. Yeah. But, well, we should probably save a lot of these opinions for maybe doing an actual roundtable yeah. review because I think I I would sing its praises a lot more than you would. So it'll yeah. probably make for an interesting recording, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, 
I enjoyed it. I won. Humble brag. Did, does uh, that help with the enjoyment? I, I genuinely, no. Because I got absolutely flattened in Magnate, and I still enjoyed playing that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so there we go. And yeah. my final game of the day was Black Orchestra. Yeah. Where we get to kill Hitler. Hey. Very different from the two games I played pr- prior to it. Yeah, so you you basically played a bad guy in the first two games. So, <laughs> so, so a bad guy in the third one, right, Ben? Is that where this is going? Well, well, it depends who you were playing, doesn't it? So who are you, who are you playing in Black no, Orchestra? No, right, so, so in, in Black Orchestra you all play real uh, members of the uh, fascist regime in Germany. During World War Two, good guys that were yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, and you are playing traitors to that regime. Uh, so yes. you are conspiring with the other players to assassinate Hitler. Yeah, um, because it is... everybody forgets that not everybody in Germany loved Hitler. No, a lot of people. It turns out we're not keen on him at a all. A lot of them. Yeah. Um, uh, it it did a lot of what the what I like uh, what good historical games do in that it creates a compelling game, yeah. but you learn a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I was a uh, I was playing a uh, he's just said you learn a little bit. And and I've forgotten. Thing. I've forgotten the guy's name already. <laughs> but he's, I played a general who uh, served under Hitler, uh-huh. who did attempt uh, a coup against him during World War Two, mm-hmm. uh, and was he was very quickly shot. Was it the guy that Tom Cruise played in that really shit film, a Valkyrie? Yeah. Uh, I've never saw that. Uh, I don't know. Basically, I think, uh, I think people Friedrich. just like to blast Tom Cruise. I don't know if it's. A <laughs> you just get a pop in there. <laughs> I saw an opportunity. I took it. <laughs> Do, you <know> okay. <laughs> Do you know what? I haven't slagged Tom Cruise off in a while. <laughs> Let's get this out of the way. <laughs> oh, poor little Tom Cruise. It's such an easy target, though. It's uh, like, it's like Bono. Yeah, but oh, it'd be rude not to. You you treat it with you, you say it in the same tone as uh, you 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 were turning de- like not turning down an after eight yeah. after Christmas dinner. It's like off, oh, be rude not to. Like, Would Sir care to uh, slag off Tom Cruise? Like, oh. I, sh- I shouldn't, but I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah uh, so we managed basically to assassinate Hitler by blowing up his plane. Um, which was very satisfying, and I'm told is Duncan's only only second time Ooh, assass- okay. successfully assassinating yeah, Hitler. He, he's had had that game for about a year now. Yeah, so. he's played it a few times, and yeah. the impression I got from playing it and from what other people have told me, I should say, I played with Duncan, Dave, and Alec uh, again from Dwarf. Uh, the impression I got, and it certainly felt punishingly difficult. Yeah. I think we were very lucky. Yeah. To, to kill Hitler, but um, no, it was really good fun. Uh, I don't know if uh, Duncan did take a photo of us with the "We Killed Hitler" card that yeah. comes with the box. Uh, so I don't know if he's actually put that up on social media or not. Yeah. Um, but you may see that. <laughs> yeah, maybe doing the rounds. And all the while, 
Meanwhile, I was playing Root with Jamie uh, Callum, aka Lanky Santa. And Don't the, give him his name. <laughs> just have a name. <laughs> um, and uh, Mr. Tom Mannering. So Tom Mannering Esquire. Yes. Uh, so you, you have another, another, another crack at the otters. So th- this was only my second time playing Root. The first time I played it, uh, I'll be honest, I was uh, bewildered uh, to the point of being a bit unenthused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I spent a lot of it sitting on my hands and trying to learn what everyone else was yeah. doing and I, having now played two games and I, to be honest I'm now at a point where I feel like I'm fairly comfortable with the game mm-hmm. I, w- I would say to other people stick at it Yeah, it is quite a steep learning curve and I don't think that you can fully assess whether or not you like it until you've played at least two games yeah I, I would agree and like I think um I think part of the thing is the art style. Art style's beautiful. Oh, phenomenal. Um, but I think the art style makes it look like it's not it, going to be a complex game. It belies the, the complexity of yeah. the game because it, it's... Um, the, th- the thing that uh, Charlotte said, it's a little bit like uh, Sylvanian Families. It's that kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, very uh, cutesy. Wall, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, except they're murdering each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. really dark... Yeah, really dark, but it is really fun. Um, it's a beautiful little world they've created. Um, it's a, it's all different kinds of woodland creatures. So the the factions that we had in play in our four player game, uh, Jamie was playing Marquise de Cat. Yeah, which they are the the way that I they're kind of like the the Romans or the British Empire. Yeah, they've moved in. They, they claimed are, the forest as their own. They are the expansionist faction. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're probably a good starting point for anyone playing the game. They so, were the, Certainly anyone that's unfamiliar with a war game. They were the first faction that I played. I think I agree. Because uh, they're fairly straightforward. Yeah. You recruit your soldiers, you expand out the way, mm. and uh, they have the most troops of anyone. Yeah, you can just flood the board with cats. So, Jamie was playing, they were actually, it was, it was his first time playing mm-hmm. Marquise the Cat. Ah. Which I thought was quite weird, because he's played quite a few of the other factions. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, Tom was playing the Woodland Alliance, which are the, these are the plucky underdogs. Yeah. The guerrilla fighters, or the resistance fighters. Um, and I would say, they, they, they probably function kind of like, uh, the Viet Cong or the French Resistance, that kind of thing. Yes. You're doing a sort of hit and run thing. Guerrilla tactics. Yeah, yeah. you're trying to gain sympathy and you're creating little resistance mm-hmm. outposts. Uh, Callum was playing the Eerie, which are, they, they're kind of like a Republic democracy, like ancient Greece, that kind yeah. of thing, where they have an elected leader and if things go wrong he gets bumped and another one gets elected yeah your government collapses and you lose a load of victory points for it Uh, and I played the the Riverfolk company which are basically the mafia yeah and you won this game I did win this game which apparently is quite difficult to do is the Riverfolk yeah I think they're one of the more complicated um, factions because you're so reliant on the other factions actually using your services yeah um, but you ensure that they have to do that by going and beating up their stuff. Yeah, that's so. it. So 
and what that's kind of something that everyone has to do anyway is try to a certain extent to have to play the other factions against one another mm-hmm. and then move in and capitalize upon that. So in that respect, the river folk aren't too different from everyone else. It's just that they have this added thing of they're actively benefiting. Yeah. From that, in that they actually get paid. Aye. To do that. Um, and people can hire out the river folk as mercenaries, can mm-hmm. pay to use the river, that sort of thing. They're, so they're really good fun. Um, the the game itself was it was pretty bloody. Like I think even for a game of root, it okay, was, right, wow, it was particularly bloody. Uh, we had two board clears. Yeah, so Oof. there was like special cards that yeah. you can use. Like there's one that I use called Favor of the Foxes. Oh, it's yeah, I know the one because all the favor of cards they'll have like whatever that species is, all in hoods, yeah. covering their eyes and wielding like clubs, yeah, clubs <laughs> like, and torches and stuff. So what happens is every clearing in the game corresponds to a different woodland animal. Yeah. It basically represents, like, that's a mouse village. That's Foxes, a fox village. mice, and rabbits. Yeah, so yeah. what happens is if you play, for instance, a favour of the foxes mm-hmm. card, the foxes all across the board rise up. And just destroy whatever's there. Yeah. That happened twice Oof. in our game in very quick succession. So there was only, like, three or four... Uh, warriors left on oh, the board. Oh wow! Uh, all of my trading posts were destroyed, but it was a bit late in the game. Yeah, the point where really it, it was redundant because they weren't going to be paying for my services anyway, mm. and I was starting to run away with it. Um, Jamie at one point had one warrior left, just one cat, because uh, me and Callum really went after him. <laughs> And as Jamie pointed out, when you're playing Marquise the Cat, you need to have warriors mm-hmm. in order to build things. If that one warrior had been killed, that would have been him. Yeah, that would have been game. game over. He wouldn't have been able to do anything else. But luckily, he he managed to stick around. Yeah. Uh, Callum had a collapse of government at one point that really put him in the back foot. Tom was just doing his own thing. But what, what happened was, I was just plugging away, selling my wares, Mm. making bank, and it got to a point where I overtook Jamie, and Jamie had been leading for the whole game. And what happened was Jamie and Callum started fighting me. Of course, the problem is that in a fight, irrespective of who wins it or not, as long as you've wiped out a warrior on the other team, you get a victory point. Yeah. So Tom at one point just shouts at (laughs) Callum and Jamie, Stop killing Ben! You're making him more powerful! (laughs) (laughs) You're only making him stronger. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I I really enjoyed the game. And now, like I said earlier, I now feel like I actually understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really want to get a copy. We'll look out. Uh, they're not that easy to come by. Not that easy, and they are expensive. Yeah, they are expensive. They're beautiful, though. Beautiful yeah. game. So. So that was that was pretty much it. After that, I, um, so a few of my pals uh, that I game uh, game with Nick, Stephen, and Lizzie. They were through in actually the main hall uh, playing Innis for the first time. They said very good things about it, so keen to give that a go. Uh, I, I went off for dinner with them. Uh, Another war game, Innis, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it's sort of uh, Irish uh, Irish Celtic themed. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, looks really nice. Yeah. Really striking game. Very, very different style of art as well. Yeah. Which is uh, very unusual, which is nice. I like it. Um, and that was Glasgow Games Festival for us. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was okay. I, th- I feel like if we didn't have all these people to meet up with, I'm, I'm not sure necessarily how much I would have enjoyed it. Like, if I'd just been a punter turning up on the day. Same, but we do have all these people. So, yeah. Yeah. so uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, I, we, we were lucky to get there really early and stake out a nice big table as well. There was one just thing away. I have to say I thought was absolutely mental. And this is not necessarily... In fact, I don't think it is a reflection on the organiser of Glasgow Games Festival. But we spent most of the day camped out in the the bar room. And the bar was shut the whole day. That yeah, I mean that. I, yeah, I I completely agree. I thought that was absolutely insane. Because like, forget alcohol for a minute. Yeah, and I wouldn't have even like soft I, drinks and coffee. Yeah, I was gonna say I'd have been having soft drinks for most of the day. I'd probably move on to the beer a little later on. But yeah, um, yeah it's it, it's funny because Ian Ian said. He, it's like the Hilton every time UK Games Expo runs works comes its way around, and it's like every single year they've ran out of all like the nice beer. Yeah, like without fail. Yeah, it's like you know, you know, every year, yeah. every year. Ah, look at this. We sell out of all our nice beers <laughs> this particular weekend towards the end of May, beginning of June. I wonder why. Yeah, I I don't mad care. mad. But, um, yeah, no, I, 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 I absolutely agree. I, I have no idea why they didn't have the bar open. But, but I, don't, I don't think the organisers would have had anything to do with no, that call. No, I, yeah. Some nutter in charge of the venue probably made yeah. that call. But, I mean, other than that, it's really nice atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Everyone's pretty happy. Everyone's playing games. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. Same time next year. Yep. And on that note, I think uh, that's all we've got time for. So uh, thank you very much for listening, guys. Until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.